calling all beans, y'all. Let's get it. calling all beings it has been a minute maybe even a second back after her triumphant return is my homie debs i'm your host dj money nathan is out west looking at some petroglyphs hieroglyphs and some stars and just having a good time out west with his family so we're gonna hold it down for cab nation today so without further ado uh at a study of uaps debs how you doing home girl I'm unfortunately thinking of really bad jokes I could make about <laughs> how we went, had slow dip and now it's a crush of information coming out. <laughs> that does sound like some DJ uh, dad joke type stuff. So you're right in there. Uh, Jules is in the chat with us today. Hello, Miss Jules. Who knows who's going to want to join us on a Sunday afternoon? If it's raining where they are and they're a UFO head, they're probably going to be here. So uh, without further ado, let's get to the two uh, principals who then we built this whole show around. Okay. So uh, we brought in for this, Deb, we brought in two. Uh, well, first of all, we brought in uh, one American brother known as uh, Dan Warren and Dave Smethers. So uh, party people, put those hands together. For Dan Warren and David Smethurst. What's up, guys? Hi, guys. Happy Sunday. Thank you. I can't wait to hear what you say. And then we said, you know what? We got to make this party a little bit bigger. And since he's not in the Tour de France this week, I'm not sure what stage they're in. Uh, we decided that we get the um, the services of somebody who care about the environment. He's host of the Mechanism podcast. He is a cycling coach, rider, competitor, and yoga teacher, Davey Johnston. What's up, baby? Hey. Hey, everybody. Great to see you and great to be back with my wonderful cab fam. West Yorkshire, we're happy to have you. As you know, it's always an honor to speak with you. And so, you know, we brought him in. We're going to bring on his co-host. This guy is just super badass, man. That's all you got to say. He's really smart. He's really cool. And he's really capable. And... He's the host of The Mechanism Pod, baby. UK UAP Ash. What's up, baby? How's it going? Hey. Good to be here. How you doing, brother? All good, Descent. All good. That that beard really suits you. It's got kind of a Robin of Loxley sort of feel to it. Um, <laughs> it's getting there. I'm taming it. And we Robin. have... Oh, we have... Look at this. We thought that one... Corey wasn't enough, so we decided to bring in two. So this dude, I'm, I'll tell you what, Deb, he done took over that 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 situation out there in Roswell. As I said, he is a beam of light and positivity. A lot of the people here haven't had a chance to uh, interact with him in person, and this is Corey. Well, first of all, my USAF brother, Corey Jacques Keel. Hey. Yes. Welcome, brother. You there? You all right? Uh-oh. He, he does have some audio difficulties. Yeah, let me... Let me um, I'm going to boot out this other profile, and then let's see if this... 
There you go. Let's see. We'll see if he can hear us. Corey, can you hear me? Over. Yeah, he's going to have to look at his settings, unfortunately. Okay, yeah. Corey, click settings, audio, and just make sure that what you've... What you want to be speaking from and hearing from is what's selected. And uh, without further ado, as they say in France, uh, Dan, dude, man, there's been so much going on, Dan. So uh, I, I heard Ross. I heard about the Gillibrand, uh, this sort of, uh, what would we call it? It's, it's a new piece of legislation, right? It's not part of the NDAA. Am I correct? So it's the IAA, which is the Intelligence Authorization Act of 2024, which from what I'm learning, because I've learned more about government bureaucracy by looking into the UFO subject than I would have ever expected to learn on my own or be interested in learning. But from my understanding, the IAA, which Gillibrand spearheaded the language of, is 10 pages of information and it seems to be we are shifting our focus from investigating sightings to investigating crash retrieval, um, collected artifacts and material from things that are uh, not of human origin. So it mm -hmm. seems to be very focused on that, but they take that language and then later on in the year, they combined it. They combine it with the National Defense Authorization Act language that gets gets put forward. So it seems like they end up taking the IAA and the NDAA language and mash them together, compromise on what's included in it, and then that's what they put on Joe Biden's desk in December to get signed into law at, at that time. So there's there's all kinds of information in it that have um, counters timers on them. They have a sixty day. Is it a 30 day to disclose? It's 60 days to disclose what you have and then 180 days to show Congress what you actually have. But Sounds those timers, right. those don't start until it's signed into law, which will probably be at the end of this year. So yeah. that, in my opinion, is the big news going on right now. That, of course, is getting overshadowed by all this fire hose of information that we're being constantly sprayed with that's coming out in a, a mass bombing of ufo news and information yeah um that um uh, that i i really like the language i have one uh one thing i'll post to the group but i'll i'm gonna wait my turn david let's go with uh, david smethers welcome back Corey. Yeah. hey thanks uh, for having me brother there's loads of stuff going on so we'll get to it but welcome, just back on on the iia legislation uh, there's three things in it. There's the, they're going to cut the money off to any saps who haven't declared themselves to the Congress. They're handing the material, like Dan said. Then there's something around uh, fess up on any work on propulsion you'd be doing that isn't we know about scientifically. So three things there. And it's almost like a call to soft disclosure. That's the important thing because it shows they believe the whistleblowers, the Senate, in my view anyway, they've used this language of non-Earth origin exotic tech, which is unheard of. And apparently the Senate Armed Services Committee and the, the Congressional Armed Services Committee are going to adopt that language when they put their stuff to the NDA. So it's very significant and it's almost like a gauntlet down to the DOD saying, well, we've heard your side of it, but actually we believe this and we're going ahead in legislation. So on one way, it's soft disclosure, but it sort of puts the DOD in a box as well. So it's very, very significant. David, uh, do you have any fear that 
there isn't enough transparency to know who to take the funding away from. Like, in other words, so they can say, okay, we're we're pulling your funding at this point after the legislation yeah. signed, but we don't, you know, maybe there are programs out there and like, oh, they're not going to find us. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, DJ. It's pivoted. It's, instead of it getting the magnifying glass out and saying, let's go and have a look and getting old Dr. Kirkpatrick out to go and shuffle around, you know, and pretend to look for stuff, they're putting the onus on the people to fess up about it. So these are the private industry people. So if they find out there's been a sap running, but they've not authorised, then they'll have broke the law. So they pivoted the onus. So the onus is now on the secret keepers to say, and that's the key, the big difference. It's a good question because I forgot about that. Because that's the, the other thing, they've got this thing called a sense of Congress. I think Ross mentioned it recently. And that's about collaboration. I call for collaboration between science, industry, universities, uh, you know, to break this sort of sharp compartmentalization. No pun intended when you say yeah, the word yeah. sharp, just because. Yeah, no, not at all. Good old sharp, you know. No, but to, to break the comp, you're putting me off here, DJ. <laughs> 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 to break the uh, to, to break the compartmentalization, then, which if you remember, Lou and all that said was a big problem to developing the tech. So that's another form of soft disclosure because when that starts, it's effectively the cat's out of the bag, isn't it? Because it'll be wider dissemination. So it's a real, as Dan said, it's such a pivotal piece of legislation. As I say, looks like the Senate have heard something that they believe from the whistleblowers. So oh, then let, 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 can I chime yes, in real quick and yes, sir, tag please. on to him? I feel please. like one of the things that the IAA is doing is it's cutting off exits. It's pr yeah. pretty much saying, hey, the DOD, you don't have the ability to weasel your way out of the questions that we ask you by saying, oh, well, it's not uh, quote unquote extraterrestrial proof of this, that or the other. So it seems like they're eliminating, they're, they're going through the process of elimination by, to basically prevent them from have, having the ability to get out of answering those questions. And even we as the UFO community are adapting our language because I've, I've heard a lot more people, I've heard a lot less people say things like extraterrestrial, alien, things like that. And now we seem to unanimously be starting to refer to this intelligence as NHI, the non-human intelligence. Once again, eliminating the possibility for them to say it's something that it's they, 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 so they can't weasel out of answering our questions. So it seems like we're all adapting. We're all focusing our microscopes on what is left because they're trying to throw chaff out of the airplane as we're zeroing in on them, getting ready to put a lock on. And now their, their options are running out. And now the money is going to start drying up as this process plays out, hopefully. Dan, you're giving away our tactics for, for certain <laughs> munitions. That's classified. Let's go on to Davy Johnston. <laughs> yeah, I think that, that Dan mentioned there about weaseling out of it. Uh, we just go back to um, our good friend, uh, Miss or Mrs. Goff, mm -hmm. and her statements that Arrow has nothing of extraterrestrial origin or anything that they can say is extraterrestrial. But again, they're not answering the questions. The question was, does the Pentagon, does the DOD have anything that suggests these may be non-human? So absolutely, they're closing loopholes, they're tightening things up here. Um, but there's a couple of other areas that I found really interesting in this um, in this proposed legislation. So Section 1104 of that bill, exactly as Dave said, they refer to 60 days um, to provide 
notification of what they have and 180 days to provide a comprehensive list of all non-Earth origin or exotic unidentified anomalous phenomena material words I would never ever have dreamt of being able to read mm. in this kind of legislation. I have two concerns here. The first is that what are they doing with that information and who's that going to? It's going to Arrow. How do we feel about Arrow? How do we feel about what they've done so far? Admittedly, they are the you know the stock in trade. That is their role. But how do we feel about that? And the other thing is, we all know this talk about this this type of information and this type of materials have been moved out of governmental bodies and into private industry. So I think there's going to be some limits and some challenges there. Um, those are my initial thoughts on that. Uh, I dig, and I've heard some, maybe not all, but but maybe some. But uh, let's go with. Um, well, first of all, Ash, remember if we invoke the name of the word "sharp" for this podcast, we need to at least do the air quotes, right? For in honor of Christopher. So go, he's like, <laughs> "Shut up, DJ! I'm gonna shoot you." Go ahead. Yeah. So, um, really interesting. You've covered a few things I was going to cover anyway, but yeah, the language is is just. As you were saying, Davey, is, is phenomenal. Like, would you, would we have ever have expected to see that in a, you know, a, a genuine piece of legislation being put forward? It's it's it just shows how far we've come. The only concern I have is, will that get dumbed down? What will that look like when it actually does reach the president's desk for, for that final sign off? How much of it would have been erased or, or modified? Um, but a really interesting thing I wanted to go back to was what Dave and yourself were talking about, DJ, around the the onus being on. <laughs> on the the other side themselves um i mean we all know how deep some of these programs can go particularly if they're off the book so to speak we've only got to look back at history the cia have been known to you know set up shell company after shell company and it's it's so hard to find that trail and actually know where that money's going and be able to pinpoint it to to the right people so if the onus is on the other side if they're pretty content that they're that far deep and buried that nobody's ever going to be able to find them is that a risk they're going to take? You know, if, if they've gone this far without being found, um, perhaps the onus on them doesn't go far enough. Um, yeah, that's that's my biggest concern, I think. How are you going to find these really buried, deep programs that are probably wrapped up in, in private industry, uh, in a shell company, wrapped in another shell company, in another shell company? Um, that's, yeah, my initial thoughts at the moment. One, one example, Ash, is remember those three contractors. Actually, there was four aboard the plane that got shot down in Colombia. Uh, the CIA was running that operation, but when the wives went to, uh, to to contact the company and said, hey, you know, what are you guys doing to get our husbands released? That company didn't exist anymore. So that that's an example. You know, I don't know if you remember that. They, yeah, they got rescued some like uh, 2008, seven or eight, I think is when they, they organized that uh, kind of fake... Uh, it was supposed to be like some sort of a UN helicopter, but it actually was piloted by um, uh, U.S. Uh, Special Forces aviators, and they, they ended up getting airlifting them out of there. So anyway, uh, let's go to Corey. Corey, what's your initial thoughts, my friend? Um, hey, thanks for having me on, DJ. Hello. Shouts out to everyone across the pond. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, you know, I think uh, Davey and Ash, I would agree uh, that – um, you know, I think that within the DOD, there's a there's a certain you know portion that uh, we may be able to get access to with this legislation. But uh, the private sector, 
uh, that, you know, there may be projects, even legacy projects uh, outside of the DOD that are funded by private money um, or or government money in, in some way. So, uh, yeah, I think there's I think everyone should be should be sharp. And uh, I don't know who said it, but asking yeah, better questions. Yeah, there you go. Sharp. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, asking better questions, and uh, and even even when we feel that we have the goods uh, from from Congress, continuing to ask questions to see what's beyond that, because it, it does seem to be the case that uh, private industry uh, has a lot of this stuff squirreled away. I can't prove that, but that's uh, you know the sense I get from you know watching the scene. That's a great tangent that you just thought of. That there may there may be private efforts out there that are. Uh, maybe DOD uh, entities are aware of, but uh, not necessarily in control of, or, you know, perhaps there's an umbrella over it, but it's, it's as you said, completely private. I just want to um, say, Julie, um, I, I, the mechanism, we will try to get the link um, and, and I'll stick it up there. It is on Spotify and I, I think that's where I'm subscribed is on Spotify, and that is uh, Davian Ash, the mechanism. Is that the correct? Am I saying it correct? It's the mechanism? Yes, I'm getting, getting thumbs up on that. Uh, Debs, go ahead, ma'am. Okay, so a few things. A secondhand source told me that some of these organizations may want to give up their technology, that they actually inherited it, and they are like, what the heck? This is way beyond what I was signing up for. Um, and... To, to add to that, um, this last weekend's um, average show was looking at what was going on with Lockheed and made the comment. It's interesting how like all of the top 10 people in Lockheed got changed over like in the last eight years. Um, so it might be one of those new people taking a look at this and going, you know what? We're not supposed to be dealing with this stuff. Um, let's hand this back. <laughs> Why do we like, like it's a hot potato, you know, at this point? So, you know, uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, I have a lot of thoughts about it, you know, but that's one of them that there might be some people who are like, you know what? This has been a heavy burden. We're not in the Cold War. It's time to get to a different stage with this. Yep. Bravo. You know, it's interesting. First of all, you know, as Corey said, thanks for being on. It's an honor for us, you know, Debs and I to have everybody on the screen that's on here today. Uh, that, that you guys have all decided that you want to take time away from your day to come and speak with us. We don't take that lightly. We, we, we are honored that you're all here. Um, so uh, you're welcome, Jules. Uh, Jules is in the chat. She is, she's uh, uh, just a, a, another steadying force that we have on the show. Um, so my, my comments are one of the issues that uh, one of the problems that was identified by David Crush is that there are a lot of prog programs out there that Congress is unaware of. I don't know how many. I don't. Obviously, we don't know the names of them. So my, my thought is, is that and you guys, some of you alluded to it, that could continue to be a problem because they have to first identify them and they may be betting. OK, uh, I don't I think I don't know if it was Asher or, or Corey that said they may. Hey, you know, we've gotten away from it this long. They may not find us. They don't know about us. Uh, Grush never did get access. We we slapped him down once he he tried to get access, and that's when he filed his DODIG complaint. And the second aspect in the language is that the info is going to be given to Arrow and Mr. Kirkpatrick. And I think probably among the panel here, 
Dan, maybe there's some people that have a little bit of reticence or don't have the highest degree of trust in, in, in that particular entity. No, I mean, yeah. I mean, we'll go to you next day, but go ahead. Sorry. Dan. I didn't realize, I didn't realize your subtle link to Dan there, DJ. So there you go. Very subtle. Um, See that man? That's why they're paying me so much money. So one of the things that I've heard recently is that the, several of the whistleblowers that have come forward aren't going directly to Arrow; they're going directly to Congress. So I feel like there are there is reluctance for some people to not feel safe in doing so. And based on Marco Rubio's um, recent comments, where he said they're even in fear of physical harm, I'll say fear fear for their career, fear for their life, more or less. Um, so they're they're not going through Arrow because they don't have faith in it themselves. So they're going directly to Congress. To me, that's, that speaks volumes about how Arrow is perceived by the people that are associated with these programs. They know that they can't rely on Arrow to provide the protection that they feel they need to be able to have the discussions that they need. They that these guys apparently want to have, not just need to have, but they want to be the ones that, that bring this out into the public arena. So I think that is a telling um, indicator of the, the faith that they have in Arrow and its current formation. Do I think Arrow is gonna change as the funding improves? We do know that Kirsten Gillibrand has secured full funding for their operation. So now maybe they have the ability to bring the staff in that would be able, that would allow them to respond accordingly in a, in a manner that would help them to be able to provide the service that they've been tasked with providing to the Congress instead of being worked around and bypassed by these people. Maybe this funding is what they needed to be able to do a better job. But the I'll say there is, um, amends to be made, it sounds like, from the whistleblowers to Arrow and how they've been treated. And I think Grush is going to be the example going forward. Hey, Grush is sitting here saying that he's been ignored directly by Kirkpatrick. So how this plays out with Grush is going to influence heavily, in my opinion, how other whistleblowers come forward to Arrow or to Congress directly. Um, so, so that's where I'm thinking they don't have the respect that they need. They don't have the authorities that they need. They don't have that Title 50. I've heard they have made improvements in their staffing to be able to get some of that, but I'm not 100% certain on how well that's playing out. But they do need to, they've got to cut their teeth. They've got to earn the respect of their peers. They've got to earn the respect of these people and these programs that they can provide the protection that they need to, for them to come forward to Arrow so that Arrow can do their job and not make a, it someone else's problem. Give me a percentage on your level of confidence in them. Um, well, I, I'm at the moment, I still view Kirkpatrick as I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to give him the J. Allen Hynek trajectory in his professional career where he's starting off as eliminating the, um, things as he's just trying to get rid of as much of it as he can. So someone else's problem is what he's famous for saying. So he is going with the, I'm debunking as much as I can. I'm going to say, Hey, there's some <laughs> anomalous stuff, but look, we've got this, these planes off in the distance and he didn't know whether the stars in the background 
were stars or smudges on the camera. It turns out they were smudges on the camera or, or flaws. So I think he is going to be taking the same trajectory as JL and Heidek, where he eventually does start to come around to it. But he is going to, he, he is not, in my opinion, going to take one step on faith, on belief. He is going to only take a step forward with proof and evidence in hand that he can present. So until he has that, he is going to absolutely not cross that line. So I, I, I give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to say I'm 70% on his team right now. But if people, if people don't come and talk to him, then I'm going to lose faith in him quickly. Be interesting if that's uh, Victor Wimbanyama's uh, free, throw, free throw percentage this year, Dan. But anyway, uh, Dave, uh, I, I suspect well, that your colleague, Dan, that your level of confidence is not well, as high as his. I have absolutely no confidence of him. He's either incompetent <laughs> or he's compromised, isn't he? He's been dragging his feet, not asking for the money, setting this rubbish scientific high bar method that nobody can pass. He clearly doesn't want to do anything. He's not asked for the money. And anyway, I, I think that he's, I mean, he's like a detective anyway, waiting for the killer to come into the police station to confess. You know what I mean? He's pathetic <laughs> on, or, on a murderer killing somebody in a forensic laboratory before he believes it's happened. It's absolutely, I think he's totally compromised. He's clearly part of that to the extent that Arrow is now being used for plausible deniability for the DOD. I mean, that's how bad it is. Oh, well, oh, no, Arrow don't know about it. Well, of course they don't, because it's complete incompetence all around. And so it's an absolutely. Uh, but I don't, I mean, I don't think the two worlds can continue to coexist. We've got Dave Grush, the Senate Committee language on one hand, and the DOD said, oh, I don't know about that. And Sean Kirkpatrick <laughs> getting his slide rule out. It can't coexist. So it's got to change. But the unfortunate thing is Arrow's the only tool we've got legislatively. So for me, the clear answer is, the governance needs to be changed and it needs to be taken out of the OUSDI as it was supposed to have been done six months ago and it hasn't been done. And they need to change the management and get somebody they get they've got confidence in. So I think if we wait for him, we'll be waiting forever. I mean, if Grush would have come forward to him, he would have said, oh, that's very interesting. Come back. Come back when you've got a bit more evidence. Oh, I can't take that. That's just hearsay. Oh, no, you've got a report. That's interesting. No, I need to see it happen, thanks. That's my high bar of methodology. I mean, I'm exaggerating a little bit. But the point is, I don't. I think there's a, a people have no confidence in him, and he deliberately at that hearing slapped everybody in the face, didn't he? Saying there was no credible evidence. Now it's verifiable evidence. I mean, it, we know he's seen loads of the stuff, or, or he's certainly been told about anecdotally. So I, I, I have, I, I don't know. I can't go minus, but I'd say with him in charge, I have no confidence. He's completely. I'll, I'll, I want to say one thing. Let me let me push back on you with one bit of information, Dave. So Brandon Fugel well, he likes said children. That... <laughs> <laughs> his puppies. He's raised his puppies, I heard. I'm only joking, Dan. Why Moraners? I'm just kidding. Um, Go ahead. There there was a statement that Brandon Fugel Fugel made, the owner of Skinwalker Ranch, a few months ago, where he said he did meet with Kirkpatrick, I believe, years ago. And Kirkpatrick said to him, like, you don't even try to convince us that UFOs are actual factual things in the skies we already believe that show us something else what is your faith that that was the an accurate depiction of kirkpatrick's view on the ufo phenomenon back then and why do you think that it would have changed from then well, to to, the, to how it is now 
Well, it's even worse, though, isn't it? Because if he does know, he's done absolutely nothing to prove that, has he? <laughs> it's actions. worse. So, that so makes... I, I think that means he's completely compromised. Because I thought at first he did the old British civil service trick to pick somebody who didn't believe any of it in the first place and then put them in charge of it. So you get the answer that you want. You know what I mean? That's the old <laughs> trick. But So I thought he was that at first. But now I actually think, no, he's there. He's there sort of pawn in this game. The method of everything he's done... If you're going to say how are we going to make a mess of this investigation, you do exactly what he's done, you know. So I've no time for him. I don't believe it. I mean, that doesn't mean to say I'm right and you're wrong, Dan. Of course not. I don't set that. And you might be a bit more balanced in your view, and that might be correct. But I, I think it's time for him to go. We'll get nowhere hey, with him. All I could say is is this, Davey. If, if you know, we could hire the uh, scouser Fiona Hill, right, the expert on Russia and Ukraine, then why couldn't they hire Dave? Right, you know, to Arrow, right? We could get a Mancunian. We got Fiona Hill, speak, you know, is an absolute expert on Russia and Ukraine. We could have Dave as, as an Arrow guy, man. Just bring him over to the States. Right? I think I mean, we already have. <laughs> it, just, it, just, it just happens to not be the Dave. It's not no. Dave Smethers. It was Dave Grush. Because <laughs> if you remember, he was part of the UAP task force. So, Davey, I want to set the table for you on this before you. So if, if Dave says, I had, I have, I don't, he didn't name how many polygraphs he had, but he has TSSCI slash poly. And he said, I had enough polygraphs that I could have been read into any program. So if they decided not to read him in, and then he said, I've given information, I have co contacted Mr. Kirkpatrick, ask him to call me, uh, he can investigate the same things that I did then why uh, d doesn't that sort of not leave the out that that sort of uh, was alluded to? No, and I think that the the fact that he raised this IG, um, uh, the complaint, ICIG. His, ICIG complaint is evidence to the fact that he wasn't getting heard and wasn't getting what he was needed and actually it was turning against him. Um, and I do wonder, you know, what you said we need we need a, a man on the inside. And I do wonder whether Grush was the man on the inside. We've heard for years the talks of the conflicting um, groups that are trying to disclose, soft disclose, hard disclose, whatever, the groups that are trying to keep it closed. And I wonder whether we were seeing in the influence that the likes of Grush had and people into the whistleblower language that was set up before, that this was a, a stage to allow this to happen. And we're seeing we're seeing different parties fighting against it. I totally agree. It, it's it seems like there's a little bit of a push pull. I've had discussions with a couple of you whether or not that office was something of a dog and pony show. Because Ash, I, when 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 I don't know if it was at the NASA briefing, but when they say start bringing up the word, we need funding to get sensors that have are a, a certain polarity and sensitivity. <laughs> It's like, dude, you're not going to, dude, you're not having sensors engineered for Aaron. I, I mean, that's not happening, dude. If you're trying to put that over on us, then you think we're going to buy anything. I mean, the military has some extremely, you know, not only the military, but the government has some extremely uh, uh, sensitive, uh, both, you know, sonar, um, you know, visual sensors. There's plenty of technology out there that have obviously already captured these these the uh, UAP so that them throwing that out there I certainly they need a budget for analysts 
and for people to do academic investigations and go out and interview people and stuff, but they're not buying hardware, right, Ash? I mean, what are we, what are we talking about with Arrow here? What's your, 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 your take? No, I, I agree. I mean, come on, those sensor systems, they're already in place. It's just we need a mechanism to be there to enable Arrow or whichever agency is actually going to be investigating this to have access to those sensor systems and have access to the data because obviously a lot of it is sensitive. So therefore, you do need the right authorities, you do need the right security clearances. I think it was Christopher Mellon has alluded to this numerous times around, you know, the, the data is there. We just need someone to allow access to it and find a way of being able to get that data back to the right people um so yeah I, I, I don't know what the score is there with them them using that as an excuse but yeah the sensor systems are there um on, on the wider scale of things i think again i'll go back to dave's point um around the credibility of kirkpatrick um whether whether you're talking about a government agency or a business at the end of the day if you haven't got the the buy-in of the people that you're you're wanting to come and speak with you and work with and, and, and have a community with, then how are you ever going to get anywhere? You've, you've lost you've lost their faith already. Um, so I think his, his time is coming up, in my opinion. Um, his cards are marked. And if we don't start seeing a change in in uh, in opinion and, and people actually going to them rather than bypassing them and going straight to Congress, then I think that's only going to create more issues. Um, and also the whole scientific method thing around you know, we need to have a rigorous process before we can prove anything. I mean, I, again, I find that a bit ridiculous. I mean, we convict people of murder on less evidence. Verbal, you know, we have verbal testimony in court, and that's that's fine you know, as it comes to a court case. So why is that not fine in this in this case, particularly when you've got corroborating evidence? As Grish has alluded to, you know, he's spoken to numerous people all corroborating the same thing, and they don't know each other. So there's clearly corroborative evidence there. So I think we should be putting more emphasis on this verbal testimony as well and these people coming forward um so yeah i'm i'm not feeling it too much at the moment from arrow i think we need to see more progress we need to see um more of the supposed whistleblowers and witnesses coming forward to them directly before i, I have any real confidence in them shoot that poison arrow <laughs> Corey. <laughs> um i the first time that i listened to those comments uh, it was amazing for me. I'm sure Dan ran out into the driveway and shot like three or four three-pointers at his hoop out in the driveway. He's like just pumping him out there, like doing some Steph Curry business. But what what was your feeling, Corey, when you first heard that? Was it as jarring for you as it was for me? Hold on. When I heard of what? Gr Grush's interview with, with oh. Ross. Oh. Ross Cotat. Oh, I, you know, I, I was blown away. I knew... Uh, I knew it was a turning point and I knew that with someone like uh, Ross Cohart and, you know, the UFO community watching that we weren't going to be able to put the toothpaste back in the tube. Uh, and I kind of quickly established looking at social media that most of the credible people in our community found him to be credible. Um, so I, I and this is kind of why, why we're here now. So I'm, I'm thankful that he that he came forward and thankful that News Nation gave you know that that a platform uh, i'm still you know like a, most of us are like hey where's where's the other you know major uh major media uh mainstream media they're kind of quiet on it but uh um, right <laughs> to say the least i you know definitely quiet <laughs> <laughs> but i kind of i look at this a little bit different you know i from like a public relations standpoint so if you go back to 2017 and you're listening to a guy like tom DeLong and he's talking I think that we're watching uh, a campaign roll out. And I think that Grush probably, there was 
he probably somebody like him was probably in the cards and i just think we're watching it play out in a kind of a linear fashion so i i'm sure rubio uh Gillibrand, people that really know what uh is going on in terms of this uh disclosure movement they they probably know what's going to happen six months from now or a year from now is what i'm guessing i don't think that anything that's going to be said and let's say we do have public hearings in july I don't think anything is going to be said there that they weren't aware of. Uh, from their perspective, there's not going to be any new information. Hopefully for us, there is going to be you know, information. But uh, yeah, I think it's a little bit of a charade and it's something that is game planned a long time ago. And um, they know we're kind of past the point of no return. And we're going to see some infighting. We're going to see factions that pop up and try to slow it. But I don't think they can stop it. It's just, it, you know. The train train's gonna keep on rolling. Yeah, there's no there's no way. Uh, and from a political standpoint, I, I you know I think John Ramirez has talked about you know this is gonna be um, you know uh, this is gonna be a topic for the 2024 election. Um, it's not yet, but he seemed to have some foreknowledge that this is gonna be a topic. So I think we're headed yeah in the right direction, and it's, it's just gonna reach that crescendo. Yeah, okay, I, I want to I want to tag on to Corey's yes, comments real quick. Um, uh, as far as a long term plan being deployed right now, I almost wonder if the current whistleblower crash retrieval discussion is actually two years delayed. We all remember that there was supposed to be a New York Times article that was dropped about crash retrieval programs that got whittled down is my understanding from what was actually released and um, there was a lot of controversy on that at the time that it occurred. So I almost wonder if that was the attempt two years ago to get this information out in front of the public and they had to reel it in and it delayed the process itself to where it is now. And so this is just attempt number two to get this out into the public discussion. There's a sort of, a sort of point to Corey's point though, isn't there? In that I don't think it's a consensus rollout. I think it's a rollout by one side that can't be stopped. So, for instance, I don't think they've all got together. And there are, I know you weren't saying this, Corey, by the way. I get that. I don't think that they're all playing the role and the DODs, the baddie in the pantomime and all. I don't think it's that. I think, obviously, they went from 17. They've had this plan strategized, as it were, getting to Senate. And it, they're going, and it's that plan that's going forward. And I agree. Probably people who are looking at this know the next the steps. I suspect they didn't think of what he was going to say. Uh, Dave Grush, the impact of it, because he's drove a coach and horses through what we think of as the <laughs> stages of disclosure, aren't they? So I suspect <laughs> a lot of them were in there in the White House ripping up the paper when they heard what he said, you know. But uh, So I think you're right. I think there's a lot, they will know what's happening, but I'd say more than it being a steady, stately procession to disclosure, even in the disclosure faction, it's a bit more like a, I thought of a bar fight at first, but it's probably not a bar fight. Is it? Like those old Western bar fights. It's more of a, it's sort of happening, but it's a, you know, it's sort of, a, but I, so I agree. They know what's going to happen, but I think it's quite unpredictable as well. But I don't think there was a consensus. I think you're right, Corey. I think they've won now and they try to take it home, aren't they? I suppose. Is it, is, is it like when the, the Man U fans and the Liverpool fans end up in like the same bar, Dave, that kind of thing? No, we're all we're all too sophisticated for that, DJ. We don't indulge in that sort of behavior. Oh no. <laughs> no, no, no. Hey, I'm a bull for say, free. No, right. no, no. Particularly right, more of them than are you. Yeah. Dave, <laughs> Go ahead, I think Corey. Right. I 
think you just kind of put like the icing on what I was saying uh, for sure. Because uh, yeah, I don't think that there's one big you know meeting where all of these policymakers get together and say this is the plan. I think that there's uh, you know we've talked about it. That there's infighting. There's people who want this to come out sooner than later, and there's people who would you know for various reasons uh, probably a whole different faction that would like to you know slow that as much as they can, uh, or are just indifferent to it for whatever reason. It has to be. There's no way there could be consensus. But th there's a couple things I want to put out there real quick. For whom whomever's in the chat, if you have a question, uh, Jules will tell you, please type it in all caps. It will be on our next go round. Uh, and then I'm going to go to uh, Debs. And I'd, I'd like to hit this up and get everybody's, if you can recall what your visceral reaction was. And please don't say, I heard it all before. Nothing surprised me as far as what Grush's revelations. Because I know that's going to be, I heard it all, man. It ain't nothing he said surprised me. But, um... Deb, um, what is the most surprising thing or interesting thing that Dave said? Look, I'm calling him Dave like we're friends now, Dan, right? But, uh, <laughs> I mean, he didn't stay at my house like he stayed at Jeremy Corbell's. I mean, Jeremy probably knows what kind of cologne he uses. Um, but, um, Deb, what, what was the most interesting thing? Um, that he said to you or most uh, surprising thing? I think the thing that gets pushed under the rug quite often is that people have died and he said it. Um, and I really think people need to pay attention to that. And he's not the first person, by the way, who said it. But everyone seems to be overlooking that um, Gary Nolan also said that, um, that people have died in contact with UAPs. And Yes, but... But he threw a different he threw a different twist on it because we talked about this during this uh, either before, during or after the Semivan episode when I said I suspect the thing what they really don't want us to know is if people have been killed by these things and he said he used the word when Ross asked him murdered um, he said uh, yeah unfortunately yes I think was his response back me up is that right Debs uh, yeah if anyone looks into Colaris I mean. They're, they're not all, you know, rainbows and butterflies. The incidents that happen there are pretty horrific. People have, you know, burns and injuries. And, you know, obviously some people may not have ever come back after being taken, you know. So there's some things um, that people are kind of missing. And they keep ignoring the fact that people are saying people have died. <laughs> so I think it's... I'm sorry, that, Debs. Go ahead, please, ma'am. Yeah, so that's that's one of my concerns. But I just wanted to let Corey know that I did see an article recently about a presidential candidate talking about this. So it is starting to enter the presidential race. Here, I just want to say here's a Dave fan right here, Cosmo. Dave needs more public airtime, damn it. The, the public demands more Dave in 2024. And he should be part of Arrow. Uh, Dan. Um, what was the most surprising, interesting, jarring thing that Dave said that really hit you? Because I, I couldn't have a normal day after hearing that. Well, there was, I mean, it was so much of it confirmed, um, or backed up and supported things that we've all been hearing. The thing that of course jumped out to me was the fourth and fifth dimensions that he was talking about. Maybe it's not, um, from another planet. Maybe it's from another it's hard to even say the words out loud of dimension or time, 
And it immediately made me think about the description that Lou Elizondo gave with the sick red analogy with some entities potentially experiencing time in a different way than we do. So that all, once again, uh, this is where it takes me back to um, our, our ancients. If these non-human intelligences experience time in a different way than we do, maybe they're the same non-human intelligences that were interacting with the Egyptians, with the civilizations down in Peru. Maybe there was an interaction from a long time ago and maybe it's the same people and we'll be able to learn more about our ancient origins based on the future. We're going to learn more about our past as we move into the future is what I hope from this phenomenon. And that is one of the things that jumped out to me about Grush's comments is there's there's a potential for that to occur. And by the way, Dave and Dan coming up on a future ancient civilizations episode on cab where we're going to hit up that new uh, hidden pyramid documentary and stuff. That was absolutely fascinating. Netflix hit it out of the park with that. Um, and just to give the quote here, because I did take notes during that interview, he said, um, Kraft may not be traveling through space as we understand it, could be coming from a, quote, higher dimensional physical space co-located with us, unquote. So, yeah, it is, okay, that, that really, too, it, it is just shocking for a lot of people to hear that because it sounds like you're talking about a science fiction movie dave so the so real Sorry. quick uh, mm -hmm. speaking of movies if you haven't seen it yet i do recommend the new indiana jones movie because of this exact conversation that we're having right now i don't want to give any spoilers out um but it is it was shocking um to see the discussion uh the thought process that went into the plot at once at about one specific uh I should, it's pretty much I'm giving it away right now. What we're talking about away. is in Don't the movie. Give, resist temptation because I want to go see it. It's um, good. It's good. I I, I will. Um, Dave, uh, most interesting, shocking. Uh, did it well, affect your well, whole day the next day? And, well, and uh, what totally. was it? I mean, what like, was it? I, well, I couldn't believe all the things that we knew about, but he confirmed. And what struck me is we lived in this world of speculation, haven't we, for decades or whatever. I remember we've been into it. And he immediately sort of collapsed that sort of waveform, as it were. And all things he thought were indeterminate were determined if you believe the strength of his evidence. And that was the biggest thing for me. But maybe a lot of the witnesses we'd heard over the years were much more credible, but we'd been self-editing. And that was the, that was the sort of how I did it a bit more viscerally than that. But that, that's what I thought. The thing that really made me reach in my snuff box, though, was the uh, was the treatise thing? I, I've never, I wasn't expecting that. So oh, that blew me head off. That absolutely, yeah. we'll get probably get into that bet in a bit, but oh, maybe another time. But but that yeah. was what did me. In. But that collapsing the waveform is really, really important because it moves us right on down the road, and that's really significant to me. That I'm so glad you brought that up because that was one. Hey, what's up, Vinny Adams in the building, baby? What's up, Vincenzo? I got your, uh, I've got your question there. Uh, hold on a second. I don't know why my, my um, phone is starting to play Moto America right now because I was watching Moto America on my phone today. Because uh, there's no Moto GP, right, Davy? Um, so, Davy, what, what was it, uh, brother? What did you find uh, that was the most uh, shocking, jarring, interesting that he said? 
for me, very similar to Dave, was how similar this is to the core story. We've heard this so many times from so many people in different ways, different forms. Um, and then you start to think about, you know, okay, so Haim Eshed, the former Israeli intelligence defence chief, who came out and was saying effectively these same stories, one or two little embellishments and bits broader on it. <laughs> and the response was, he's just repeating what he's been told. But he wasn't telling that much a different story. So that for me was pretty radical. But sitting here with my UAP med hat on, I have to echo what Deb said about the people having died. But again, I, I interpreted that in two ways, that people have been injured in proximity to these objects. But even more terrifying, and this is what really made me yeah, shiver a little bit, was that perhaps people have been killed around keeping this secret secure, keeping this safe. That, for me, is otherworldly other, other no it's too much of this world that threat <laughs> i don't know why that came out as funny it's not a funny not topic really. <laughs> Ash. well first of all let's say bob marley is in the chat we have to say Irie man i can't wait for the new documentary on netflix man <laughs> Jamaica is um, all now. They're all cringing now, DJ. I don't care, man. They can suck it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Bob, <laughs> Vinny, thank you for saying that, Vinny. You're another yeah, awesome person. Uh, we need to get you on a panel. You and your hair on a panel here soon. Yeah. Um, Ash, two questions for you, sir. First, the, the, the question that we post to everybody, which is, what it was the most interesting, jarring, fascinating thing you heard Grush say. And secondly, is what statistic do you think do they most not want to give up because they think it would be so destabilizing to the American and world populace? Most interesting Ooh, first. Good questions. Oh, yeah. So um, I think the, for me, the, the fact that we had we have had someone that's followed the correct vetting process, you know, has been through the, the correct process to actually come forward. Um, and Marco Rubio mentioned that, you know, he was the first one to do that. Uh, and, and the fact that his background, he's so credible, you know, he's, he's a high, former high, high level intelligence operative, had a distinguished career in the military as well. You know, the guy is credible, Whether even just if you looked at him on paper, he's credible. But then having seen him in the interview as well, he comes across as very well presented and um, yeah, very diligent. So, yeah, all, all of what the guys have said already. But I think one thing that he, he came out with that I thought was really interesting as well. And again, we've, it's not something we haven't heard before. But the fact, again, it's come from someone with that level of credibility was I've got the comment here. Um, I think Ross Coulthard asked him around, around bodies and he said, well, naturally, when you recover something that's either landed or crashed, sometimes you encounter dead pilots. And believe it or not, as fantastical as that sounds, it's true. I mean, the fact he came out and said that, you know, we have bodies. Yes. It's just 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 like that. It's like, yeah, well, obviously they crash. So we're bound to have bodies. We've got bodies. It's true. So and it sounds as if it's it's something that happens quite regularly, you know. Um, so that that was quite I found that quite interesting and wow that it's come from someone of that credibility and, and seniority and yes yeah, statistically wise i think it goes back to the deaf thing the deaf um thing that david was talking about and again i interpret it in that way as well david both sides both the uaps themselves causing deaths and also the secret keepers were hiding the secret by killing potentially people as well because they didn't want the cat out of the bag um yeah i mean it, how many people go missing per year i mean there's, there's been plenty of work done on that as well missing for on that kind of stuff that david providers does um yeah I mean, having dealt with missing people as well in my previous career, there's a lot that goes under the radar and people don't actually know about. Um, what ends up 
where, where do they end up? What happens to them? Uh, if it transpired that actually this was playing a part in that, I think that would be hugely destabilizing for the general populace to find out that actually there's something out there that we have no control over that's just taking people, you know, and we've got no control Ash, over it. We can't stop it. Let's discuss this just be- between you and me real quick. If 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 somebody says they they were abducted, you know, or someone, you know, there's a missing person, you know, it it's it's anecdotal in nature. But if if the military or the DOD or an entity where they can document without question that someone was taken that went aboard a craft and you know had a Travis Walton and never came back, now it's data. Now it's data, and that would be very very frightening if they knew of cases like that and they had to go and knock on that service person's family's door and say yeah um it happened in a training accident and by the way you know you get into a whole line of things if that has happened that is that would be very very terrifying and and that's you know like i said we talked about that after the the semivan episode that is one that they don't want to explain because it also goes toward that there may be a malevolent well there probably most likely is a malevolent um species of these beings that we're interacting as well as the benevolent ones so that you know that's what i wanted to add to what you said yeah yeah totally agree with you on that i mean it also goes back to the fact that the government's primary function is to protect its citizens and if if it comes out and transpires that they can't do that then where does that leave the government you know that is very destabilizing isn't it yeah it's what jim semivan said he said one of the difficulties they have is they don't know why they've been so reticent. And this is not to make excuses for them. It's, it's an understanding thing, not an excuse. I agree. Great job guys thing, but they, they don't know how to explain this because they don't understand it is what, is what, what Jim said. Um, Corey, sir, uh, most interesting, uh, most interesting thing that, that you heard. Oh, actually we started that question with you, didn't we? So yeah, I don't know if I, if I answered it, you know, fully, Please, but, go ahead. Uh, but yeah, I, I think uh, what Ash said when he said, uh, you know, inevitably when you find down craft, you know, you find the pilots. And I thought that was a that was a big revelation that hasn't been said on in, in public by somebody of his uh, of his status. So I was like, that is significant. He's going there. I, I would like to shout out personally for me, I'd like to shout out Ross Coltart. And I actually was at the gym working out and I messaged the cabbies. We have a signal cabbie chat. And I was like, guys, I cannot believe what Ross did with this Roswell question. And for somebody who does what we do, where, you know, interviewers and you see a master like Ross, you know, you're like, you've just gone to school and seen someone who's at a, you know, a postgraduate level of, of doing this, what, what, what I do and what, what you guys do. And I said, he asked him in such a way he didn't ask him a generalized question he said something and and somebody please back me up on this and and help me out if i get it wrong but he said uh, talking about roswell and he said what can you tell us about the nature of that craft and he said or or what detail and he said i can't give you any of the details on that on that craft so what he was able to get out of him. He actually said this to Jay. If you guys listened to him with Project Unity yesterday, um, shout out to Project Unity and Jay. Uh, so now we know there was a craft. <laughs> I just can't tell you the details. But if he said, can we 
you know, can you tell us something about Roswell? And he'd say, well, I, I can't speak about Roswell. Well, now we have nothing. But Ross posed it in a way and asked him about that craft that he's, that he said, I can't give you the de- the details of that craft. <laughs> but then, I, I, ahead, I think sir. he was specifically told he wasn't cleared to talk mm-hmm. about that particular incident. So what, I, I, I guess the um, Dopser process yeah. eliminated or prevented him from being able to discuss Roswell is what I took away from the way that he phrased his response okay i'm gonna i'm gonna give everybody here a homework assignment to go back and listen to that question because the way that the way that he asked the question he didn't deny that there was a craft he, he basically said i can't talk about the details of that craft then he went on to say that the 1994 report was the most amateurish uh amalgamation of thrown together of different reports and any intel analyst could see right through it like it's you know uh, like it's uh, tissue paper. So, um, I, I thought that was brilliant, but yeah, if you have a chance, go back and listen to how Ross asked that question. And it was just like, okay, boom, that's how you do that. Because that way he didn't give any details about it, but in doing that, he basically confirmed it in, in my mind. And he reiterated that on, on Jay's show yesterday, by the way. So, um, yeah, we're getting we're about about running out of time look, look, here. I want to I want to yes, I want to make one more comment about Grush real quick. Right. Some of the statements. One of the things that really stood out to me. It wasn't my number one, but it was close. Number two was the 1933 Magenta Italy craft, but specifically that Pope Pius XII was the individual that informed the United States of the existence of the craft and where it was located. Because I, for a long time, been watching the Catholic Church's response to the. Um, ongoing ufo phenomenon they held conferences about it the uh the astronaut that was in the nativity scene at the vatican a few years ago was piqued my interest the pope's pope saying that he would baptize aliens is another thing that's piqued my interest what does the catholic church know that we don't know the united states is was established in 1776 i don't even know when the Catholic Church was established, how much history did they have that are hidden in the vaults of their basement of their own country that no one can get to that is out of reach for research? What do they know that we don't know? Like, so why why are they so forward in the way that they um, have? And I, I just saw Vinny's comment; it's thrown me off now. I have yes, Vinny's I have brick in your wall decor. wallpaper. <laughs> It's like I don't have a fancy <laughs> old old British house. I have just drywall walls. I'm dressing them up for the low. I have the lowest budget <laughs> office that any of anyone on UFO Twitter. Yeah, um, and and Dan, if if we look up the um, when Saint Peter was Pope, I believe he was the first the first Pope. We can we can get a pretty good idea of how old the Catholic Church is. In fact, they named that uh, Basilica San Pietro after him. All right. Um, yeah, he was a very so, controversial pope as well, actually. But anyway, we'll get into that another time. Yeah, and, th- you know, the topics that Dan brought up right there, Dave, I think we could hit those topics up on the ancient civilizations thing mm. when when you, you and Dave, uh, t- uh, you and Dan rather take center stage. Um, I, what I'd like to do now, because we're, we're running out of time here, we're basically out of time, but I'd like to do one more go-around of anything that... Um, 
uh, that that anybody wants to say, starting with Deb, and then we'll just you know we'll be able to react to it. So go ahead, Debs, please. Well, I'd like to talk about something else that caused quite a stir this week, and that was the um, alleged biology assessment of NHI on Reddit, um, and how pretty accurate it was to what experiencers have been claiming and the fact that it was connected to Patel. So I just wanted to see what other people thought about it. I'm still, you know, one foot in, one foot out with everything, but I just wanted other opinions. Go ahead, uh, Dan. Um, that? It's so far above my level and outside of my wheelhouse. I just have to treat it as anecdotal. Um, I could be fooled easily by someone that is able to speak that language. I don't. I'm a mechanical engineer. I understand nuts and bolts. I don't understand half of what he was talking about. So it's way over my head, unfortunately. So anecdotal. David. Uh, I thought it was both very good and could be uh, quite dodgy, but it hit a load of things. It hit the body stuff we'd heard from Corso. Number of things we'd heard again over the time. Very convincing. The guy answered questions very quickly, apparently, assuming it wasn't him sending himself the questions. He answered questions very quickly. Mm. So I thought it was uh, really pretty good. I would say that it did come out on the anniversary of Roswell and that it did pay to a lot of the big tropes about alien sort of morphology that we've gotten. So it could have been quite an elaborate. So you could say, oh, yeah, it's right then. <laughs> so I'm like Debs. Very much in two minds of it, but I, it was certainly very interesting. I would just point out a little link in that they didn't have stomachs and there was some link to cow things. And often the, the theory is that cow's blood's taken from mutilations for, uh, from uh, cattle mutilations for, for food and all the rest of it. So that was a very interesting link to me. But again, you could just see what it could have been very cleverly written. So I thought just that, you know. So that's on the fence, isn't it? Mega on the fence there. Sorry. No, I I haven't even read it, so I can't even comment it on Davy. When I was a data analyst, we used to have a saying: if it looks right, it's probably wrong. Um, <laughs> I think, uh, you were a consultant, though, Davy, weren't you? This is true, absolutely. <laughs> no money <right>. in that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's a it's a way of generating more money. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> and again, this felt too too close, too true. But what I would draw people's attention to was Gary Nolan's response to it. And he said, here's an opportunity for the UAP Twitter, UAP community, Reddit community to investigate this properly. Here's, what, here's how you do it. So go out and do it. And again, I would encourage people to follow the, out, the, the steps that, um, that Gary Nolan outlined there. I hadn't seen that either. So I've got obviously got a lot of uh, catching up to do. Uh, Duncan, uh, if you message uh, Debs on Twitter DM, she can link you to all this information uh, that, that she was tracking uh, or, uh, last last week or during the weekend. Um, Ash, anything about that uh, NHI or that uh, biology business? Uh, I, have, I haven't read it yet, to be honest with you. I've had a busy week, so I... No I'm pun intended. It comment was on that. Writing, so. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm happy to comment on something else that I found interesting. Please. It's, it's a couple of weeks old now, but the, the um, Canadian MP, Larry Maguire, coming out yes. and saying that, yeah, with the Orc UK US AUKUS um, announcement, basically saying that Canada's credibility is going to be damaged if, if we don't do something about this because there's going to be an announcement from, uh, yeah, from the, the, the trio of uh, 
the US, UK and Australia. So what could that be is, is the first thing and, and how, how could that damage Canada's credibility? Uh, but the fact that he says expected upcoming, upcoming announcements as well is like it's kind of been set in stone. The wheels are in motion. So that's really interesting. I think what are we going to see over the coming weeks and months in, in that regard? I, that was fascinating when that came out. I was thank God because I was looking for anyone to bolster what David said, uh, Grush, so he didn't feel like he was out there all on his own. Uh, but as Corey said, uh, not putting that toothpaste back in the tube. And then Marco Rubio's comments, I think Dan was shooting more three-pointers after he heard that. Um, <laughs> uh, Corey, w- what's uh, what's on your mind w- about the biology thing or if you have another comment like what uh, Ash had? Yeah, I think Deb mentioned that. So I haven't, just like uh, yourself and Ash, I haven't had the chance to look at that uh, NHI uh, report on you know the biological effects on Reddit. But uh, I had to, I had to really got really lucky in Roswell. We had um, we had Congressman Burchett zoom in, and uh, I asked him the question. I said, uh, Representative Gallagher mentioned the potential for a parallel society. I kind of I try to leave it vague something other that's also technologically advanced that's living living alongside of us um and he didn't uh he didn't deny it he did say that his his immediate priority is to get whistleblowers to testify uh but he but he said i i heard that from gallagher and you know gallagher is uh you know a former marine and he said he's no dummy so i was kind of so i was kind of surprised that he didn't shoot that down as preposterous preposterous as it sounds that there's you know some parallel civilization whether that be uh here on earth or interdimensional or you know any other you know it, it, whether it's in space so like, Corey, as an air force guy did you challenge his notion of the saying marines aren't dumb or anything like that no a- absolutely <laughs> not absolutely not <laughs> you know i never made it past uh being a, a staff sergeant so that's still at the level where you don't really challenge anybody so. <laughs> <laughs> oh man um, man, I had, I had something I was going to ask you guys and I've, I've brain flatulated, so I, I can't recall what it was. <laughs> you like that, Davey? <laughs> um, yeah, I had some, some overarching uh, topic, but, uh, I think it's, we're probably getting close to, to closing it out here. So lo- let's go with, uh, parting shots from, uh, anybody, uh, about, and I, oh, I wanted to mea culpa on one thing. The, because thing that I didn't talk about what shocked me the most, I really I, I remember having a conversation with Nathan, and I will I'm happy to you know to pat myself on the back when like uh, Grush says about the Tic Tac, he said 100% anomalous, legit, not our tech, not human tech, because Deb's heard me say I'll bet my I'd bet against uh, MW I'd bet my life against his that that's definitely not human tech or or uh, of any sort however i was pretty wrong i told nathan i didn't think that there was any sort of a treaty or agreement i i told him i really didn't buy that and now it looks like i could be wrong about that so i thought that was not shocking in a way that those other things that you guys brought up those visceral things we wondered about bodies we've wondered wanted to hear about whether there is a, a dimension co-located where they can come into our reality because it seems like that's the way people have seen them enter and exit. But so those were the most shocking, but very surprising, I guess, if I were to use the word, I was surprised that there could be some, could or have been or could be some sort of a treaty. It sounds 
ridiculous, but if if he said it, uh, he wouldn't say it flippantly. He must have based it on something that um, uh, that he's heard from a really good source. Because they're going to have no success in debunking this guy, given the people who have stood up for him. And I've said on, um, on pod before, um, I've spoken with a lot of people know Richard Budd in the community. They don't know who he is. I know who he is, both on the official network and his name and all that. And he says, oh, he says, I'm, I'm friends with Dave. He said, I said, did they call you to vet him? He goes, hell no. He goes, they called people a lot higher up than me, like flag officers to vet him. I'm like small potatoes compared to, you know, the people that they used to vet him and his credentials. So that, that should, that, that should, should tell you something. Um, so yeah, they're not going to have any success. So if he says there was a treaty, man, I got to take that seriously. Just like everything that he says. That doesn't mean that we're not allowed to be skeptical, but if you're trying to debunk them and use body language and stupid things like that, then, you know, that's, that's on you. I mean, these, it got to an extremely high level and he ditched a GS 15 salary in retirement. Plus he ditched his air force reserve commission, uh, which is, that's another retirement. I mean, if he didn't, you know, put in 20 years in the air force reserve and, and unfortunately the calculations, when you don't have a whole lot of active duty time in there, um, you stretch that out. It generally is more than 20 years you have to put in to get the type of retirement that a military dude has after 20 years active duty. So um, he's got a lot of um, credibility based on those two things. So uh, parting shots, uh, let's go around the board. Uh, Debs. Um, actually, Davey has something he wants to throw out. So I thought sure. maybe. Absolutely. Sitting here on this side of the pond. So much of what we talk about typically in this uh, scenario is over your, over yonder where you guys are. But I heard something wonderful that, um, again, the, the aforementioned Ross Coltar mentioned, and it's something for everybody over here in the UK. And he said he'd heard that British Aerospace were one of the companies that had these exotic non-Earth origin parts. So uh, Mr. Smethurst, get the, the M6 to Preston, to Wharton, and get looking through those filing cabinets, mate. Hey up, lad. I'll be up there right away. <laughs> Verily. <laughs> hey up. It, it's going to take a Fravor, a Elizondo, Mellon, Grush type of person to break open your government. It, that's, that, it's going to take that level of a person to just, you know, make them move off of this, this position uh, as far as, as near as I could tell. And then, Unfortunately, um, it's just a different, uh, you know, the cultures are different and that drives the behaviors and you guys know it better than I do. I have spent, you know, a short period of time over there compared to uh, that you guys have grown up in this culture, but people just don't want to rock that boat. So, uh, Dan, uh, or actually Deb's parting shot. I just wanted to say thank you to everyone who came to speak to us today um, and also to point out that um, John Alexander, who seems to have been inside quite a few UAP programs, did say that Grush was 100%. So it's another one. <laughs> you can just keep them, keep them coming and you get get to that level. Um, Dan, they're, they're going to have a hard time getting into those uh, title title 50 programs but uh 
any parting shot on, on your part, my friend? Yeah. So I, I just want to ask people to consider the, one of the potential reasons for the, the existing regime that's in place, not wanting to disclose what's going on. It could be, I, I see two different possibilities. One is that if a craft landed in 1933, then it could be more than just the United States involved with those programs. It could be the five eyes. It could basically go all the way back to the allies from World War II being part of what established the secrecy program to reverse engineer to protect the world from the evil that was present at the time. And the reluctance for the current folks not wanting to reveal what's going on is because a lot of tough questions are going to be asked immediately after that occurs. So it could be that the people that are in charge right now that are in power don't want to be the ones holding the bag when the sins of their fathers quote unquote fathers sure. are revealed. They don't want to be the ones saying, well, now I got to explain what happened, what, what they did. And I got to fall on the sword for them. I didn't do this, but I'm caught holding the bag right now. Um, so that's something I want people to consider. And one more thing is the next time that you, me and Dave are having a conversation, I want to hear Dave's bar fight stories before we end the podcast, because I don't, I don't think it's fair to tease us like that. <laughs> no, no, no. I get somebody else to do it. Say, so you know, look at the way he's looking at you over there. He's respect. Leave the bar. <laughs> he's a respectable man now. Exactly. He's, he's, I'm. A, I'm never. I'm a, I'm a very respectable gentleman. His street fighting days are, are long mm, over. But yeah, maybe right. he will if he if he's willing to share. We can push him a little further. Dan, uh, <laughs> to, you know, <laughs> um, Dan. Don't to go oh, sorry, sorry. No, I was going to say it's it's not a it's not a political thing. I think, as you said, it's the left holding the bag issue, A, and B, you know, you can bring in whoever your cabinet sociologists and psychologists are, and they're, they're still only going to guess at how the American populace, which is their chief concern, obviously, is going to react and how destabilizing it may or may not be. And that is going to depend on how far, the, how far you lift up the garage door and what people see. And I think that's a, a difficult spot. If you listen to Grant Cameron, um, he went back over several presidents and there was really only two that had an interest in, in his, at least in, you know, in his memory, because obviously he wasn't around for Nixon and Ford and so forth. But um, but yeah, it, it's uh, I, it, it's very difficult. It goes back to Jim Semivan. They they don't know how to explain it. So I think Congress can force the door open to a degree. And that was the question I was going to ask. I'm so glad because it jarred my memory. I, I was going to go around the panel and ask everybody, how much do you think we should be told? That was going to be my question, but I'm not going to ask you guys to stay late to entertain that unless that's what you want and or we could hit it up on a future episode. Um, Dave. Uh, well, on the assumption that nobody wants to stay late, I don't mind, but I'll give you, I'll hit you with three sure. things. I was going to hit you. I did want to say... Uh, to Dan, how brilliant his videos have been recently, the last four months. I mean, they're always good. It's been it's really amazing. good recently, mate. Really, really good. So I've been cheery. One of them, I was going, yes, quite right. Well, not quite that, maybe mind. But anyway, fantastic work. Uh, so the first three things I want to say, I think the elephant in the room sort of is about abductions, really. 
Nobody's really talked about it that much. And there may be a link to that with treaties. And it may well be that if there was some deal done, as often been rumoured, that they can abduct people, uh, that that is something that would be very hard to explain away, isn't it? Yeah. The second one is that given that they have collapsed away from and the international Russia and all that know US has this technology, this asymmetrical advantage, that may really destabilise nuclear deterrence. And it may mean that people have to come together internationally via the UN to try and sort it out. And I think this stuff in San Marino is more significant than we think. And finally, I would say, uh, we've got to ask the question, uh, well, we often think when we're strategizing, we're winning, but it's all going one way. How far are the non-disclosure faction prepared to go to stop this coming out, given we don't know what they're hiding? And what would they do to stop it? Is it a coup? What is it? Who knows? I know that's a little bit uh, inflammatory. The point is, we don't know what the other side's going to do. And, it, and, it, and it's something worth thinking about. So they're my three things to leave us on a cliff edge with. But I'm quite happy to go into your point if people want to. Like them. Those are those are great points, um, Dave. Maybe Dan will send you a check for that one. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, he's already asked DJ. So don't worry about that. <laughs> yeah, no. If if you um, want to hit up hit up my question real quick, feel feel free, and then we'll go to Davey. What what, what was it? Oh, man, now I got to remember. Oh, oh how man. much do you think they should tell us? What yeah, do you well, think is well, with security right, yeah. concerns in mind? Yeah. Well, I think that as, as Western democracies, we've managed to navigate between state secrecy and classified secrecy and what the people should know and accountability. So I think basically they need to tell us, obviously they can't tell us things that will destabilize the state and they need to keep secret or we'll give the US or whoever, the Western Alliance, a tactical disadvantage. We've obviously got to keep the propulsion stuff secret if it's a massive power we think it is and could somebody could blow up the world with it. So clearly they need to keep that quiet, but they're using that, I think, as a blanket reason not to tell us other things that may be uncomfortable or to hide their own culpability in what they've got to do. So I think they should tell us as much as they can up to the line that doesn't compromise our safety, but allow us to make decisions because this whole thing has been characterised by a shady cabal undemocratically over 70 years making decisions that have become increasingly twisted and increasingly in their own interest. And that is what democracy is about. It's about that not happening. It's about not the government of the few who govern in their own interest. It's about the people or the people's representatives having a say. Because let's say there's a coming, some sort of coming calamity or there's some other coming event we don't know about. They may have made the decision, oh, there's nothing we can do about it. Whereas people like Lou or whatever might think, no, that's not right. We need to, as a society, there's other solutions. Could be something like that or something a bit less yeah. dramatic. But you, Western democracies have always navigated difficult decisions and democracy has been able to make those decisions. And I think this is no different. It's just a, the same problem in a different wrapping. So that's what I think to that. Yeah, before I go to David, I love that Grush said that uh, that he really regretted that real world problems like, you know, propulsion, energy, you know, I mean, maybe there's even something with food production that could have been achieved if the best and brightest uh, that in whatever country has these craft had been allowed to access them and reverse engineer them because he's insinuating that we don't have the best and the brightest that are looking at it now. So, um, Davey, uh, what did you have, sir, please? Yeah, I would just like to say thank you to UDJ and to Deb for hosting us as always. Great yeah. to be back with our cab family. So with the other, you know, people we've met here today and uh, 
Corey, I'm looking forward to working with you in some other areas around this as well, my man. Absolutely, yeah. um, And also to Jules for uh, her super work in the chat as well. Hats off to you, Jules. I would also like to, this is sort of ties into what you asked Dave in terms, uh, DJ, in terms of how much should they tell us? And I think Dave used the word decision probably 15 times in his response. And so without sounding like I'm angling for a guest slot on the, the higher side chats or something else equally conspiratorial, <laughs> who are the decision makers? And not just about this, but who makes the real decisions? Excellent point. Excellent. That I is a know. great point. <laughs> and also Dave's use of the word cabal. Usually you don't hear that unless you're on like a, a political program. Uh, where they're talking about one side or the other, you'll hear them use the word cabal. So, Dave, great, great shoehorn on that. Um, but, um, Davey, that I think what Davey's alluding to, Ash, is that um, are these people are, are some of these people qualified to make these decisions on what we should know and shouldn't know? And I think uh, Davey's saying that there's probably you know cabinet officials, national command authorities, and or Congress elected officials that are more uh, better placed to decide what we should know. I think that's where you were going, Davey. But Ash, please, your 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 uh, final parting shot there. Uh, yeah, I was going to talk about something else, but um, go ahead. I was please. Just gonna, my parting shot was going to be around. Um, I think Dan mentioned it around five O's. I think we're going to be seeing a bit more around that. I certainly here in the UK want to find out a bit more about that being, you know, a signatory to that our country is uh, and the foreign material program that's been, you know, alluded to. Uh, I think that could be an inroad for us in the UK to try and find out a little bit more information about what's what's been going on and, and our role in, in the in the wider crash retrieval program. Um, so, yeah, that's that's my part and gift. Uh, if anyone in the UK is, is listening, then I think that could be something we need to explore and, and uh, yeah, get those freedom of information requests in. Uh, and in relation to other question, DJ, around um, no. how, how much information should we know? Yes, um, sir. Just please. quickly, uh, I think um, Jeremy Corbell um, mentioned it on the Weaponized podcast recently, but it's, it's you know, we know about nuclear we know about nuclear technology, but we don't know how to make nuclear weapons. So it's, it's the same with biotech, you know, bioweapons. We know they exist. We know bits about them. They can be researched, but we don't give people the keys to the the weapons themselves, do we, or the, the in-depth information around how to make these things. So I think there is a certain amount we can know, but when it comes to specifics and the detail and more granular, perhaps there are things that, because they could be weaponized and used for uh, negative means, that perhaps there's certain things that shouldn't be allowed um, out in the open to, to the public. Um, but someone in the chat mentioned, yeah, we should know as much as we can possibly know, and I think that's true. Um, but at the end of the day, if it's if it's going to be detrimental to the wider public, then there has to be a level somewhere. And like you were saying, DJ, we rely on the elected officials to make those decisions on our behalf. I agree with what you said 100 percent. And Jeremy should have cited David Grush in APA or MLA formatting because the, that was his quote. About the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that was uh, basically his, his quote. But anyway, go ahead. I, I've, read, I've listened to so many things recently. I think it, I probably just said that because that's the last thing I, I listened to and heard it. But yeah, yeah, yeah it gets all a bit mixed up. But yeah, you're right. It was David Grush who said that. You're trying to yuck it up here a little bit. Go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, no, I agree with what you know, Ash said and something along the lines of Dave is I hope that they can tell us everything they can without uh, compromising our mm -hmm. global security. I'm sure that uh, if it does involve aspects of free energy and technology, uh, that there are some serious uh, you know, safety concerns. But just as someone said, you know, we're aware that nuclear weapons exist, but we don't have the materials and you know, the formula. 
So hopefully they can give us a redacted version of what they know. Yeah, I, I and I just for my parting shot. Uh, thank you, uh, Julia. For- if, no, yeah, we'll we'll get you, we'll get you definitely get a parting comment, uh, Julie. I, I agree. Like and subscribe that way. When I ask Ross Kotat to come on, he says yes because he sees we have like seven hundred subscribers or whatever it is. Um, anyway, um, yeah, I agree. What's released has to be safe, but I think they can give the general idea of of what we have and that the nature of some of those things that have been discussed uh, touch on all of them to a degree. Perhaps there's a couple, maybe not all of them, because there's a couple that I think are very scary for us to even discuss. So I could imagine, I can't imagine somebody getting up on a podium uh, at the White House or the Pentagon and and talking about that uh, or even in the Hall of Congress. But you know what? A congressman might, they might, they might talk about it. But but yeah, I, nothing that would be unsafe for destabilizing just the general nature so that people, as Deb likes to say, uh, that people can start to come to terms that there is something else here, that we're not alone, and you can prepare yourself so that you don't absolutely freak out if you do see something. Or if something happens that nobody can deny, then they control the narrative. Now it's out, yeah. of, out of everybody's hands. Can I Cor- comment Cor- real quick on yes, this? Yes, ma'am, please. The best way, in my opinion, is to just let scientists present this information because scientists let loose some of the craziest things nowadays and people are just not really paying attention. <laughs> no one's yeah. panicking. <laughs> and yeah, like, let Avi Loeb do it. Just kidding. Yeah, maybe someone a little more subtle. Like if they put it in Science America or something like that, people are not even going to blink an eye because they identify new species all the time. So that's just a comment that I have to throw out there. And Corey, you had something as well, sir. Yeah. No, I, I just wanted to thank you, DJ, for having me on. Thanks, Deb. Uh, thanks, Dan. I'm a big fan. Dan, you're a talented fan. Um, Davey, I've had a chance to meet you. Uh, Ash, it's nice talking to you. Dave, so I, yeah, I'm just happy to be on, man. And I uh, look forward to seeing this disclosure through with the rest of you guys. Yeah, once again, uh, Deb and I are very humbled to have an amazing panel of really, really smart people like you guys. And uh, it's an honor to uh, have you all on. Um, it won't be the last time. It's just the, <laughs> just the first time. So uh, on behalf of my co-host Debs, Nathan, Matt, Leah, and Frank, all the cabbies, um, thank you so much. This is DJ saying peace out, one love. We'll see you down the road, and as always, we're wondering what's up around the bend.